Glam Podcast brought to you by New Cardigan. Um, and this is a little bit different, this this particular Cardicast, because it's an interview with somebody who you've heard on the podcast before quite a few times because it is Justine. Hi! <laughs> Hi! Justine Hannah was our president at New Cardigan and is currently a team leader at Mooney Valley. So there has been kind of a changing of the guards, and so I'm now president of New Cardigan, and we thought that we would do a nice little ask me questions, hand over, get to know Justine on the way out, and all of that kind of thing. Except it's kind of like after she's already gone. Yes. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. I mean... But that's okay. It's been... And like gone, but not forgotten, hopefully. Oh, no. I mean... And you were never really gone, anyway. You still come to the parties, you're still involved in New Cardigan, it's just, we'll get into all of the reasons with the questions that people have asked, so I don't really want to jump the gun okay. a little bit, so, <laughs> so for for those that have just joined us or weren't aware on our social media, we put a call out for questions in order to be able to ask Justine, so I'm going through questions that the community has asked, and hopefully everyone gets to know everyone just that little bit better. And everyone feels warm and fuzzy by the time that we we wrap up this particular podcast. (laughs) So the first question that I'm going to start with is, what are your plans for life after New Cardigan? And can one ever really truly leave New Cardigan? And I think that you've kind of answered that a little bit, but I'm going to ask you to expand on it slightly as well. Absolutely. Well, no, you can never (laughs) truly leave. (laughs) Because I think... You don't have to be a member of New Cardigan to be someone that we would welcome as a member of New Cardigan. And you don't, we were, we're all New Cardigans. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We're all Cardies. If you're interested in anything glamorous in Australia, I think that's just something that stays with you. Mm-hmm. And New Cardigan is just one way that we, in, particularly in Victoria and in Perth, of course, have chosen to express that. Um, so I will always be a part in some way, I hope in overt ways as well but certainly definitely just i'll be i'll be there yeah you can't get rid of me claire well i mean technically <laughs> we can't anyway because you're one of the founding members this is true i am yeah hugh and i together very drunk um, <laughs> <laughs> but no i will always yeah, have that which i love as well being a founder and what are my plans for life after new cardigan mm-hmm. well i really There's a lot of things that I have, a lot of creative ideas that I have that I'd like to investigate. I love podcasting and I wouldn't mind um, investigating some of the ideas I had for book podcasts because I don't think we do enough of them in Australia, especially librarians when we have this amazing wealth of knowledge, or we should. Um, As a public librarian, I certainly think we should, but we don't seem to see those book podcast so much um so i'd like to maybe investigate a few of those ideas i have and yeah just health focus on a bit of work as well and decide you know where i want to go do i want to climb that ladder a bit more and not just be a team leader which i do love but i'd like to get involved a bit more in the strategy i think and the direction that public libraries are taking mm-hmm. in victoria and australia and you know maybe the world who knows <laughs> well i mean you have for the Cardicast, if people want to go back and, and have a look, we, we do have quite a few overseas interviews that are mostly because of you and your travels and your capacity in order to be able to go and have chats with other librarians sort of around the globe. 
I remember listening to one that was your New York. But, oh, it was Brooklyn, wasn't it? Uh, there was the director of um, outreach at Brooklyn Public yeah. Library Service, and there was the culinary librarian mm-hmm. based in New York, and then I think uh, Seattle, another outreach uh, librarian. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all great. I loved speaking to. Um, I think it was David. Yes. That seemed to be right. Uh, in Brooklyn, he was just so energetic and really gracious to give me so much of his time. Mm-hmm. Although we were in an open office, which was really awful <laughs> for the sound. But anyway. I remember you pointing out, ignore the elevator opening and closing behind us. <laughs> that was, that kind of um, yeah. And the culinary librarian was also really super fun. It was so different. And it was just really wonderful to be able to speak um, with her, Sarah. And then, uh, yeah, the Seattle, um, that was just, I was there and it seemed like such a great opportunity to just try and speak to someone. And you know, as uh, maybe it's me, but I know, I know it's more than just me. We all go to other places in the world and then we go visit the libraries because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we do. And if you can go and not just be in the space, but actually speak to someone about how they deliver their services and what the differences are and I think it's really inspiring and yeah, I, maybe I'll do more of that. That'd be great. Would someone pay me to do that? That'd I, be great. I think so. That'd be great. I'm, yeah. up, I'm up for that. If that's an opportunity out there, someone mm-hmm. just let me know. <laughs> I also wanted to, to mention it wasn't just the US. You also did stuff in Greece. Oh yeah. yeah. Gosh, how could I forget that? Yeah. That was a year ago, October last year. Oh, I missed that. I wish I was there again now. But yeah, oh, those... Wonderful women. Um, they're doing such great work. The Multicultural Library, We Need Books. It says it all in the title. Echo Refugee Library, they do such amazing work over there. It's very different and very difficult by our standards, what they're delivering, um, the service that they're delivering for asylum seekers and refugees and just people with other languages living in Greece, in Athens particularly. And yes, I managed to get some Arabic books sent over there, raised enough funds to... To do that, that was a an epic. Uh, it, it, it took nearly well, probably it probably took nine months. It was basically like having a baby. I know it was nothing like having a baby, um, but it was a really huge thing to do as well. And um, yeah, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I also wanted to say on New Cardigan, you know, I didn't leave for any real reasons other than um, I've been doing this for four years. And whilst it's great, I just thought, you know, it's time for someone else to A, be president, but also new blood, because one of the key things about New Cardigan, which I probably should say for a different question, but um, one of the challenges um, was that we we had a lot of, in the initial two years before we sort of formalized things, we had a lot of, a lot of people interested in helping out, but only a couple of core people like literally me and Hugh I think at first um were the were the main people that have stayed through and um and so finding people that could actually stick to a thing commit to a thing deliver the thing um actually Skype in and have regular meetings I mean that's a hard thing to do because we're all time poor so I, I felt like we'd found that core group and we've been doing really well for a couple of years but I think it was just I was conscious that I may not be as um, innovative as I once was in terms of New Cardigan because I'd been doing it for so long and so maybe it was time for some other people to have some input and be the lead and the driving force Mm -hmm. for for the group. So So on that tip, if you could go back to the beginning of New Cardigan, so four years ago, what advice would you give 
that justing then as to how to approach those four years? Oh, yeah, definitely to see if you can find those core committed people quicker (laughs) because there were some very stressful times. Um, Also, it'll all be fine. Don't worry. It all works out (laughs) in the end because you can always just go to a pub and have a drink. You don't actually have to have that amazing speaker if it falls through, which it does occasionally. Mm -hmm. Four years ago anyway. Um, Not so much these days. We're pretty organized now. You're pretty organized Mm -hmm. now, (laughs) I should say. But yeah, just um, don't worry so much. Find the core group of people. I, I think it would be good to have... Um, gotten into the social media side of things a bit earlier as well I think we came to that rather late for various reasons a lot of it to do with time and and people's you know thoughts on ethics and Mm -hmm. things but I think that it just extends your reach so much and it means that you can tap certain people um, in other states and Mm -hmm. in you know potentially other countries and you know get those inspiring ideas and 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 maybe start some different projects and I mean social media is one of those places that it's really quite it's built to build communities and it means that people can dip in and dip out as much as they would like in a way that I think and this is just me getting on my soapbox at this point in time newsletters don't necessarily do because sometimes you look at a newsletter and go I am way too busy for this and just delete it and then when you have time you're like I wonder where that newsletter went to. (laughs) So whereas social media, you you don't look at it when you're busy and when you have free time in order to be able to engage with stuff, that's when you that's when you click it open yeah and part of me is like or oh, sometimes you're just avoiding working you click it open anyway <laughs> um, <That too. laughs> you're right it helps extend the community i yeah. think is is that yeah and i what i'm really enjoying seeing at the moment is actually so many other voices especially on the facebook platform it's easier obviously um but yeah there seems to be a lot of people feel comfortable and confident in the group and it's been we've been online for over a year maybe a bit longer now mm-hmm. Gosh, kind of time flies and um yeah, and at first it was a lot of me and nick and you and that was it and now there seems to be a lot more people being happy to put a call out for something or share some content that they think or just put up a cute photo or whatever to do with libraries or galleries or any of the glam mm-hmm. um and i really like that i think that's great because we don't want to drive New Cardigan in a direction that our community don't want it to go. And so it's really important that the community has a very big say in the direction. Well, it also helps us. Like when when people post things, we know that that's stuff that they're interested in, that's stuff that's that's going on. Mm-hmm. Once or twice people have posted things and I'm like, oh, that'll make an excellent party. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. It, it, it helps that, that information flow. I can remember listening to a talk from somebody in an academic library about a direction that academic libraries were heading in and that they said that they were stepping away from social media because all that happens with library social media is that it's just talking to other librarians it's not necessarily talking to anyone else and I'm like but also isn't that just a little bit handy like is it a really interesting talk at the inaugural plv conference recently um i think it was yara plenty and they talked about social media and the different platforms have very clear different audiences and you need to define that for each library service of course but from a public library point of view you know instagram's really the book people 
Bookstagram is huge. <laughs> Facebook is generally more your local community and Twitter is basically to connect with other libraries and library services and library people. And I think that if, you, you, if you're very aware of those different audiences and look they, they could be different for academic and special and all that but um yeah i think that you just need to be aware of the audiences and use use the platform appropriately because in the end it is a tool and mm-hmm. it's for us to use it not for it to use us yeah exactly mm. so next question which is still in sort of the new cardigan field there will be more things that aren't just just about new cardigan people want to know about you as a full person oh dear uh, i know <laughs> I want to make a joke about full person seeing as we've just eaten a lot of cheese before we kind of started this. And stretch. olive bread. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. But what was the most fulfilling part for you about being president of New Cardigan? But also on the flip side of that, what was the challenging part? So the good and the bad. Oh, look, it's the all good. Even the bad is good, yeah. you know, I think. But oh, the most fulfilling part is basically the fact that we had an idea for something that we we wanted to see in the, in the industry and then we went ahead and did it which was a pretty scary thing and then people came and people kept coming and people seemed to agree that it was a really good idea and four years in and still going strong even stronger than ever and I think that that I just it blows my mind each and every Cardi party when people turn up when we see the regular faces as well that you know we've come to know some great people through this that I probably wouldn't have ever met otherwise and then seeing new people come along all the time and and people coming up and saying oh I love that episode or I really enjoyed this particular Cardi party um, or her talking about blog club and yeah I just I really that is just so amazing to me to know that we created something that was really valuable to our community um, so yeah, that, that definitely was the most fulfilling thing. I think mm-hmm. the challenging thing was having to come up with something every month. Cause we stupidly said we would do something every month. Um, <laughs> and you know what, we've managed it. And even if, you know, occasionally it's been, Oh, well, we're just going to go and have dinner and just talk about stuff. That's still been of value because it's a networking thing or it's just a connection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really just about that connection with other like-minded people that work in a similar enough industry in the sector and, you know, you can maybe have a bit of a vent or ask for some advice, feel people out about maybe being a mentor. All these sorts of things can happen in a very um, loose, I hate the word networking because it's got such terrible connotations to a lot of people. But I, so I call it professional social, socializing. Mm-hmm. So you're socializing with, with your peers. And, yeah. and uh, I think that's really um, valuable in and of itself. But of course, we always want to deliver some sort of learning opportunity or knowledge sharing opportunity. And I think the fact that we've sourced so many different speakers and locations for very little money. <laughs> I mean, we were on a real lean. And by little money, we mean no money. <laughs> no, money. no money at all. Mm. I mean, like. That's a challenge. For me, because I've been part of like the Cardi Corps for a couple of years now. But I was attending parties for a little while before I became Cardicor. Not very many. I think I actually came along to like four parties and then they're like, do you want to help run it? And I was like, ooh. We know yeah, talent sure. when we see it. <laughs> um, I just have a very unique skill set. That's, it's one of those things. Um, and I was also in charge of a venue that gave free hire. I that think helped. That, that, yeah, that eased my egress somewhat. Um, but... The case that I, I actually came for the chat bit at the end and realised 
that it was very cool having the opportunity to walk through other people's institutions and hear what it is that they did and that I really didn't have an idea because I was still studying at the time for those people playing along at home. I wasn't working in the library sector when I started going to, to New Cardigan. The glam sector was huge and so incredibly diverse and that the people that worked in it was so lovely. Like each time I'm like, I'll just go for one drink or I'll just go for five or ten minutes and, and say hi. <laughs> Not going to happen. And I was always under the impression that I would be like the weird wallflower because I also don't drink very much, if at all, and would be going to a pub and I'll be like, everyone will drink and I won't talk to anyone. Oh, just hang out for five minutes because then I feel like I will have done my professional duty. And then four hours later I'll be like, I've just had the most amazing conversation with someone that I can't remember the name of, but it was great. I hope they're there again next month. You know, that kind of thing. And then yeah. I learned people's names and, and all of that kind of jazz. Develop your professional network as yeah. well that way. Or just your friends. Yeah. yeah honestly. How else are we going to find friends, Claire? Well, <laughs> that is true and valid. But it's kind of funny. I don't necessarily think of it as my professional network, but every now and again I'm like... Oh, hold on, wait, I probably could ask advice from that person and these things and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, sometimes I'm very slow on the uptake. <laughs> it is amazing. But I think that's one of the main reasons why we chose to separate out the event from the catch-up as well. I mean, it's not separated by much and occasionally it is conflated for whatever reasons. But that opportunity for people who maybe just want to ease in and just come for the chat or just go to the knowledge sharing bit and then bugger off because they're not comfortable in a potential drinking environment or something, Mm -hmm. you know, I think. And then maybe they are like you and they discover that actually it's all really fun and they come for it all. And yes, honestly, there has been many a time, certainly in the beginning where Hugh and I were like the last people standing and it was midnight and you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Um, and so much fun. And yeah, there's been times when I've had to leave early for other things and, and it's, a, it's a wrench sometimes to stop having those conversations. And I do miss, I must admit, I, I, I do miss that. I, I won't be going to quite as many. Haven't quite made all of them. I don't think any one of us has gone to every single one. Um, but I certainly didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, always the, the December one would always clash with a music festival or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've certainly been pretty consistent, uh, especially in the last few years. Um, but I will. I've but you just... kind of have to be consistent when you are president. Glad that you think that way. <laughs> Seeing as you are now president. <laughs> well, it just means that you go, maybe I won't. Uh... No, I will. Yeah, I kind of I have to go to that one. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it just gives you a little little extra motivation. And then every time you're there, you're so happy you are. Yeah. Right? The people are great. The content is so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's just sometimes it's cold out and yeah. dark and you're like, I just want to be inside. But also pubs are warm and nice. And so have you. Yeah. Have you. <laughs> so um, did we cover the most challenging part? I think so. Yeah, really like working with nothing and cold emailing or cold calling, you know, potential speakers or locations and saying, could you do this thing for an hour or more and I won't have any money for paying you for any of it? Yay! Um, I got really good at that, actually. I had a, I think I still got the template somewhere, but I had, yeah, I, I had, a, I think, a nicely toned email that was like, I am legit, here's some links that prove that this is not a really crazy human emailing you out of the blue, um, and this is what I do, and we would like you to be part of that, and this is the audience, and we can guarantee you about this many people, depending on the, the night, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I got I got pretty good at that, which was I think we had we had to we had to mm. get good at it because yeah. otherwise there would be no county parties. There would be none. No, but I think also growing the community has meant that other people have suggestions, and then they might have contacts and they might have locations. So we had the in- the initial impetus, but without that community around it, it wouldn't exist for those particular reasons as well. Um, it gives us the momentum. Gives us the momentum. It gives us the connections. Yeah. Hmm. So now we've got all of the fun questions. Lovely air quote fun fun questions. So the first one of which, just as full disclosure, Justine has seen some of these questions because some of them are quite tricky. Um, and this one had a uh, sort of noise attached to it, which was if you were stuck on an island without a library, but you could have one book. What would it be and why? I mean, why would I put myself on an island without a library? <laughs> um, and why only one book? I hate these questions. See, the way that I would approach that is if I am stranded on a desert island, because that's essentially what we're doing as a yes. del- desert island book, and I've only got one book. Mm-hmm. And it's like whatever book is the best flotation device in order <laughs> to be able to get me no, to that island. Waterlogged pages <laughs> do not float that well. I don't know. See, I'm torn between like something that would be like a survival guide could be useful, but no, nah. go for something fun. Yeah, look, I'd probably pick something I could reread. I thoroughly enjoy. Unless it's like a Bear Grylls autobiography. No, and no, you no, can no, like, no, 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 no. I don't need to yell on this island. You know, I need to obviously watch the vocal cords for screaming for help, not for the book. Um, those are my opinions, uh, and you're allowed them. It's your you. interview. Thank you. Uh, I would probably go. Yes, I love rereading, and um, so I need I need a book that I'd be happy to reread over and over and over again, which does and something to escape to so yes being on a desert island sounds all well and good until you're stranded there for a period of time i think so i have my favorite book of all time is lord of the rings i have read it probably i'm 38 so i think i've read it i think i've read it just about 40 times and then i stopped because i'd read it 40 times um that's a bad reason to stop reading no 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 no. i will pick it up again but i was like you know i've read this enough for the time being Mm -hmm. uh there's a couple of years where i read it twice in a year um, wow, because I'm so, like, is it like a once a year? You just kind of get to a particular time of the year and go, I feel like Tolkien is is now. I don't know what it was. It was just I, I felt like it, so yeah. I read it. But I also read it in different formats. So I read. I've got one gigantic, all of it in one, including mm-hmm. the appendices. Mm-hmm. I have um, it in seven, including the appendices, which is the whole one. So really, it's six, and I have it in the three as well. So I've read it in those different styles and I quite enjoy that too um so maybe I would take the big one (laughs) secretly three books of one exactly the system I know right (laughs) um so it lasts a while even though I know it fairly well by now I think and it it always grabs me in different parts of it grab me so that would be an option or like some maybe one of Kerry Greenwood's Franny Fisher novels because I thoroughly enjoy them and they're very comforting because I know it's all going to work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So I would I would probably pick one of those or maybe like An Enchanted April, which is my other favourite comfort read. But it might not be that useful because it's set in Italy and I would be on a desert island. So that's that probably would just make me annoyed <laughs> that I wasn't in Italy. But yeah, it's a very difficult question to throw at a person. I have to think about it. But yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just say Lord of the Rings, the, but all of them in one. So I have the I have that cheat. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. I, like, I like rotting the system sometimes, <laughs> especially when it's uh, such a difficult thing. You've mentioned quite a few 
different styles of book there. So Lord of the Rings being fantasy. I mean, Phryne is more crime mystery. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That kind of stuff. I haven't read Enchanted April, and so I, I can't really say what type of genre it is. But it seems almost travel <laughs> That's just me making a guess from the title. I don't know how accurate that is. But what is your favourite genre of book? Yeah, again, I go through periods of time when... So my very first genre love was science fiction. Mm-hmm. Hard SF. Huge fan. I still am, but it needs to be pretty well written for me to really love it these days. And absolutely love science fiction and fantasy and any melding of the two. Anne McCaffrey, David Eddings, Raymond D. Feist. These are the authors of my youth. Mm -hmm. Tamora Pierce. Very excited about news I'm hearing about possible TV screen adaption. That was my first major genre love and then I moved into the more crime detective genres um I actually really like Tara Moss as, as a crime author she's great and you know there's a whole whole range of them there that I've quite enjoyed um Carrie Greenwood it's more the soft detective throw in some recipes you know cozy mystery kind of style which I quite enjoy and I'll read them happily as my comfort reads and um I'm really yeah, I'm. I love. I love pretty much anything. What, what you might call contemporary literature, chiclet. I love historical romance. I can't believe it took me this long to say that. I mm-hmm. adore historical romance. I got into what it do when you I classify was... as historical romance? Because part of me is like, do you classify Outlander as historical romance? Well, no, because there's a time travel element to Outlander. So no, I mean mm-hmm. it is, I suppose, technically, but it's also fantasy. Mm-hmm. I class that as fantasy historical romance. <laughs> And I'm not a huge fan of that one. Don't shoot me now. Um, I I think it's one of those things, because I have read all of the Outlander books, which is my secret shame. No one must know. It is. um, Because they're actually, like, they're fun, but they're, and this is just my opinion, out of, like, the echelons of well-written books, it is mid-weight. It's a nice concept, (laughs) <laughs> she leans heavily into particular tropes and revisits them regularly. So by the time you get through book three, you kind of know what's going to happen. And there's only so much tragic near misses that I can take. <laughs> Can't they just have a nice time? Could they just have a nice picnic? Just once. Just once during their lifetime, just one nice picnic. It can't have been that bad all the time. <laughs> what annoys me about that is that it's, she's not the first person to do that either. Mm. Um, and she won't be the last. You know, that is just a style. Uh, and I agree. The writing's not really great. Yeah. I, yeah, I sort of go, eh. It, it's, hard for a, it's hard for a narrative to move along when everything's going great. Like, I, I understand <laughs> the, the concept that you have to have something that's going to push things along and challenge people. But it really did get to the point where it's like, we've walked down the street, something bad's happened. I step into a doorway, something bad's happened. And I'm like, <laughs> just calm down. <laughs> like one week of just a nice time would not kill anyone. In fact, if we could just stop killing people, <laughs> that would be pretty good. I would enjoy Hilarious. that. Hilarious. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's not my favorite by any stretch. No, I, I love Stephanie Lawrence. Um, mm. She's actually Australian, but uh, I think she lives in Europe and she writes about the aristocracy. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it, but more of her early work, her more recent stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. See, when you say historic romance, is that more like 
Jane Austen type uh, thing? No, 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 but that is. But yeah. no, I'm... No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> Jane Austen comes after the era I'm talking about. And I'm such a bad librarian. I've completely blanked on what the era is that I'm thinking of. But it's the... Regency? Dukes and Duchesses yeah, yeah. and... So Georgette Heyer type thing. Yeah, yeah. I like Georgette Heyer, but... Uh, uh, you know, she's a little bit nice sometimes, and I like it when they're a little bit naughty. <laughs> I like those steamy scenes. Thank you very much. Give me more of those. Um, I don't like the, the 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 recent thing that's been going on where some of the um, some of the more steamy books get like rewritten for like a more PG audience. I'm like, no, why? Don't, don't do that. That's They'll never know how to do it. <laughs> Help the kids. No, I shouldn't say that. But you know, I, um, no, I give just... them good examples. Part of me is like, have more sex in books, but have more good. Exactly. And strong female characters. And yeah, the men are strong and great too. Some of my favorite, uh, at one of my favorite, I think, is it Mary Bellow? Um, it's the survivors series and it's the Napoleonic wars and these men come back and they are physically and mentally and emotionally scarred. They, it's, 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 about them and their struggles and then it's about these strong women that come along and and help them and you know i don't i i know that some people have issues with like the women saving the men kind of deal but there's a lot of mutual benefit to to these relationships i think and it is you know historical romance there are limits there are you're working within a world that like a worldview that we're actually quite aware of so it, it anyway i quite like that series as well but again it needs to be well written i will stop reading a book i picked up a cozy mystery just for some light reading the other day i read two pages and i put it down because it was dreadful it was too bad and i have i have standards so. <laughs> i think it's one of those cases where life is too short to be reading a bad book and there's so many good books out there. But I'm also one of those people that if I come across a bad book, I find it very hard to step away from it. Like I'll put it down, but I'll forget to pick up a different book because mm. I'm still technically reading that one. <laughs> and that's called mm. Return It to the Library. In a phase where um, my mum, who is retired, keeps on going to public library sales and she'll just pick up books that she thinks will be fun for me to read. And I'll start reading them and I'm like, no, no. no, there's a reason why no one's read this. And that's because it's not great. <laughs> Sorry, mum. That's the case. Does yeah. your mum listen to Cardicast? No. Oh, I want to be cool <laughs> though. She did. Maybe you should give her this one. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's sometimes I go through phases of only wanting to have new reads. And sometimes I go through phases of only... Wanting, like wanting something where I know what it's going to happen just because I just need to have the... And I like period books because sometimes I enjoy the fact that the largest problem that they have is they've worn the wrong gloves to the vicarage. <laughs> and that's... Oh, pesky, some... pesky gloves. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, please let me contain all of my problems in this kind of scenario like elizabeth gaskell there was something about elizabeth gaskell her writing style was so engaging and she very like quite gently but very forcefully talked about the social politics of that particular era in a way uh, that was very forgiving to both sides Love and it. it was just amazing i think people underestimate too um just the the level of subversiveness that can exist in a good historical romance mm-hmm. because you you can get some really good ones that do subvert what we might think of as the norms and you will have these strong women and you will have 
you know, the, the politics being aired and then they'd be like a tweak or something. And I don't know, I, I find that it can be, it can be a really powerful thing. And I hate that people are ashamed of it because I don't think anybody should be ashamed of reading anything. That said, I don't often tell people that I very regularly go back to childhood favorites. So I love Enid Blyton and I know there's issues there, but I love Enid Blyton. I will go back, particularly the circus ones. I mm-hmm. love reading those and rereading those and rereading those. The Silver Brumby series. Oh, I love it so much. I reread all of them and I'll read the whole like there's a lot of books in that series Mm -hmm. which is great I love that what else Uh, there's so many childhood favorites Um, Mary Grant Bruce I'm a huge Mary Grant Bruce fan again so many problems but you know still really really enjoyable reads for me and I will go back and I have you know a couple of bookcases at home and periodically I'll I'll rehome some books but I will always keep those and um, yeah I, I, I don't tend to tell that many people but now I've told everybody so there you go uh, I like reading kids books all the time not all the time I, yeah. I think it's one of those things that um, I have a personal belief my children's book that I reread all of the time is Alice in Wonderland like Gorgeous. I absolutely like it is that's my desert island book I will take the annotated version of Alice to you and my mum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, She'd do that too. <laughs> yeah. But I got given an annotated version. So just like the intertextuality of that whole thing. Just absolutely. It's basically cool. another book on top. Yeah. Blew See? My mind. the system. Love yes. <laughs> yes. Um, we're librarians. We That's can do we that. Do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Evil cackle. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the times, I've, I've discovered this quite recently because I was trying to recommend books to a friend and I kept on recommending like children's books or young adults books and they're like do you think that I cannot read like no these are genuinely great really because children's attention spans are short which means that these are incredibly tightly well-written generous pieces of fiction and let's face it, yeah. if something is long-winded, yeah. the chances of me getting through it, mm, slim to none. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I will try that, um, what is that, uh, Ducks Newberry Port or whatever it's called? The, yeah. it, it, it didn't win uh, an award, but it's this gigantic, gigantic book. I borrowed it and then I sent it straight back because I was like, there's no way I'm fitting that in. I will get to it, but I'll get to it in my holiday. Uh, I have plans for that. But, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, give, me a, give me a short well-written, well-constructed tale. doesn't have to have much meaning either. Just just as long as it's well-written, basically. Yes. I'm like, what that's for it? me. That's for me now. What Dorothy Parker said, I'm a short-distance writer. Is just <laughs> love like, it. Love I think it. there's something to be said for being a short-distance writer. And I love the classics too. I love contemporary fiction. I love Australian fiction. Um, I read quite widely. And if anything tickles my fancy when it comes through the return shoot on the desk, I will just go, oh, I'll borrow that or I'll pop it, add it to the reserves list, which is longer than my arm at present. Um, But yeah, I I think in terms of genre, just getting back to the question, I don't like to limit myself. But right now I'm loving Becky Chambers. She writes science fiction, but it's very much science fiction from the, it's less sciencey, although it's very sciencey, but it's still less sciencey than some. Um, But it's, it's very much about looking at humanity 
through the lens of science fiction, which all science fiction is, all genre is basically looking at our own world through a different lens. But um, I just particularly like how she does it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. For Melbourne Writers Festival, my library hosted John Connolly, the Irish writer. And he's mostly known for his detective fiction, of which I have not read any, but I certainly am interested in because he, he has elements of fantasy in that too. And he got asked a question about writing genre versus writing literature and um, because he has written um what is a more literary novel i think it's called he and he actually gave a shout out to becky chambers too which made me like him like him even more if that was possible when you have a very handsome dulcet toned irishman and then he also you know loves becky chambers i was like wow i really need to read his books now Sorry, John, if you're listening, he won't be. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he had a really lovely way, and he basically said they're both really valuable. Literature is really valuable, but genre is where most people start and stay in their reading habits, and it's incredibly valuable uh, when it's done well. And yeah, I really liked that a writer had thought about that. And yeah. mm-hmm. When did you know that you wanted to be a librarian? And we were having a bit of a joke about this off, ca- uh, off, um, off camera. It's not a camera. Off microphone. <laughs> I was going to say, you're filming? No. What? You're in yes, your... surprise. <laughs> you're in your Ugg boots. I know. <laughs> now everyone don't, knows. Don't, don't give away my comfort secrets. Come on. Oh, I love it. Um, oh, I have such a bad answer to this question. I hate it when people ask me because I want, I want a really good origin story and I don't have a really good origin story at all. I studied um, literature. I did my honours degree as well. So four years at uni with that mm-hmm. as the end result, uh, which is not something that's going to get you a job. Um, then I went overseas. For, it should though. Well, I think <laughs> so. Then I went overseas for what was supposed to be one year and turned into nearly five and ran restaurants. Uh, high-end restaurants it was amazing I lived in England and would be in these 200 year old buildings that were just beautifully done up and I really loved that sense of history not so much the hospitality although I did enjoy I like talking as you probably no doubt guessed Mm-hmm. If you even if you're brand new to the podcast, you've you guessed that by now. But I really like helping people, and yeah, I found I found that to be quite quite fun for a while. But it got very tiring as well. And then moved back to Australia and was like, I don't really want to do hospitality anymore. What am I going to do? I like books. <laughs> so sad. And I was looking through like the local paper and looking at the job ads in the back going, well, I probably just need something to start me off and then I'll think about studies and whatever. And I saw that there were some library technician jobs going and I was like, what does that mean? And pre even studying library studies, I was clearly meant to be because I went into the research mode and went, okay, let's look into this. And I discovered Alia and then I rang Alia and spoke to someone and they were like, oh, well, in two weeks, this course will open up at Monash and that's where you studied previously. So you could probably just get straight into that. And so I did. So I was back in the country for two weeks after five years, nearly five years of being away. And I was back at Monash studying information and knowledge management as it was called then luckily I just needed to do a grad dip in those days this was a while ago and uh and I loved it some of it was not great most of it was great I still have friends from that time as well and that was really important and I managed to get work in in libraries what I also did though as part of my little research was I went to my local library in Carnegie Mm -hmm. and which is near where I grew up and went to school I spoke to a lovely librarian. His name was is James. I'm actually still friends with him on Facebook. He 
he was really encouraging actually and he just told me how much he enjoyed working as a librarian he he said he uh, he also worked at Monash and then I ended up getting a job at Monash University as a library officer while I was studying and he was there as well working with him hence why I have him on Facebook I'm not a stalker I promise Uh, (laughs) and part of me is just like that's a very engaging local library service (laughs) you've come in we are now friends on Facebook I know automatically you walk through the door (laughs) ding Um, and you have a new notification (laughs) (laughs) slightly creepy creepier than facebook in general Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it just all sort of came together really quickly and i immediately when i was studying it i realized that this was really interesting to me and threw myself into it managed to get work which was great and then um there came a time when i decided i wanted to do further study too so i did my master's through Charles Sturt, which I loved. It was online, which was hard, but it was really, really interesting subjects and I got to pick my subjects too. So yeah, I now have a Master of Information Studies as well as my Honours in Literature. Which one has been more useful to me? Hmm. No, I don't I think know. I we both... just had a very long and extended conversation and about And actually, it. for my <laughs> Honours, uh, my minor thesis, I actually wrote... Uh, it was only 10,000 words because it's a minor thesis, but I wrote about... Um, this concept of pop fiction, popular fiction, and and literature, and the fact that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is was what was called pulp or you know popular fiction in the day, but we consider it to be a work, a literary work today. And sort of basically all it is is time that mm-hmm. <laughs> and good writing that mm-hmm. transition transitions and uh, you know a piece of work from one to the other. And that was actually my minor thesis, so I think I was maybe foreshadowing what was to come. I don't know. When I was studying to be a librarian, it was kind of funny because I just spent the whole time going, this is amazing. <laughs> this is all so interesting. And I had gone into my degree going, eh, I mean, I'll, gi- I'll give it a go. We'll, we'll see. Well, I too was trying to make myself slightly more employable <laughs> and uh, sort of also trying to get a little bit out. Of, well, it wasn't hospitality. It was, it was a variety of things. I was trying to get out of broadcasting. But um, it was, yeah, a case of... One of my mates went, just did the librarian course, and I'm like, I don't really want to be a librarian. And she's like, shut up, everyone needs to have information managed. And I was pretty much like, that's a good friend. Fair point. And then I got there, I'm like, ooh, so interesting. Um, but I felt like I was a very odd duck because I... Welcome, came from broad- welcome to the club. Yes. <laughs> but I came from broadcasting and everybody's like, but what about books? And I'm like, what about this audio over here or that film or these things? So like I was very much interested in different information sources than different everybody media. Yeah. yeah, which is absolutely valid and useful and definitely gets mm. you a job. Yeah. Mm. Apparently. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, is there a librarian that has influenced you the most? I think every librarian that has given me time Mm -hmm. over the years. I can remember even in primary school, I don't know why, but the librarian, she wasn't like my favorite librarian. She wasn't my favorite teacher. She wasn't my favorite human. But she would take a certain, like an... She would take a, a, a lunchtime class for kids to do exercise. It was strange, but I really enjoyed it. (laughs) And I guess it maybe from the very beginning made me go, librarians do other things. Like it's not just, 
sitting behind a counter, handing out books, although that also appeals. I wish that were actually what we did <laughs> sometimes anyway. And yeah, I've just um, always had, not always had good experiences, but I've always been able to take something when uh, a librarian has been willing to be that person to have it conversation or to you know just accept that I am the nerdy kid that will walk out the door carrying 30 books in my hands in my arms like as many as I can carry is Mm -hmm. you know used to be about 30 Um, and I would be back in two weeks for more you know that was me yeah they just they seemed to love that when I was a kid and that really was nice obviously James at Carnegie was just a really friendly uh, adult version of that kind of a librarian I guess and when I've travelled and spoken to people around the world that work in our industry, everybody's so passionate. And certainly um, the director of outreach in Brooklyn, he was really inspiring, not just because of the stuff that they do and the way he spoke about it, but the fact that he would say something. He said, you know, and you could listen to it in the podcast, it took him five years to get one thing over the line. And he just kept persevering it may not have been every day that he did something towards that project but he certainly went back to it regularly until a really good result happened for that community and that was really not just inspiring but it was actually really good timing for Mm -hmm. me to hear that sometimes shit takes time Mm -hmm. and you want to get something good over the line Mm -hmm. you can't expect it yesterday some things you can and that's fine, but some things you really just can't. And sometimes you're going to get a no and you're going to get a no and you're going to get another no. And that's okay because if the idea has legs, if it's good enough and if the outcome is a good outcome for the community, then eventually someone's going to give you the time, the money, whatever, the yes that you need. And and that is something I think I needed to hear at that point in my career. So I was, I think he inadvertently <laughs> perhaps was a bit of an influence I'd already you know I think I'd already had my master's by that point as well but one of the reasons why we started New Cardigan was to get through that I've been a librarian for 10 or 20 years and I am really really jaded because of the no because of the lack of change or the difficulty in you know you can't a ship can't change its direction super mm. quick it, it takes time and that sometimes feels like library land Um, Although I do think things are getting faster and faster, partly because of technology and partly for other reasons. Well, you don't ever want to have that act of Sisyphus. You want to be able to get the stone up the hill. Even if it's one in every hundred, like you you want the one, you know? Yeah, exactly. And some things don't deserve it. Yes, I get that too. But um, yeah, I just... I think I was at that point where I was a little, not, not jaded. I don't think I've ever really been jaded, but I feel like I might have been a little bit tired and... Hearing someone tell me that it took him five years to get an amazing program up and over the line to great success um, made me go, okay, yeah, sure, five years is doable. (laughs) So I would definitely put him up there in the sort of more influential librarians. There are so many that you hear about as well in the world doing amazing work. The women I met over in Greece, just spectacular humans volunteering their time in very trying conditions, driving a mobile van to a refugee camp which is not good conditions for anybody to be in and, and not having the language necessarily to communicate with the people in that camp because who knows, you know, where they've come from. You just, I was blown away by their dedication. It was a very confronting conversation at times that I was having with those women just because for them stuff was very, very, well, that's how it is. And I'm like, no, not in Australia, no way. And um, yeah, it was hard for me to 
to hold back on saying, no, it shouldn't be like that because it shouldn't be like that maybe for me, but for them, that's just what it was like. And it doesn't help me to help them for me to say that. So they were very much inspiring as well. So I guess the um, librarian being the most influential, were they attached to a library that was most inspiring or is there a library that has really deeply inspired you? I don't think there really is. Um, All libraries... I, I basically love no matter what they're like. Some of them are better than others. I, um, I used to go to... I used to go to that library that was near Harold Holt Swim Centre and um, I loved it so much. I don't think it was because of the building. It's not the building. It's what was in there and there's all these books that I could access and nobody at that time thought to separate teenage books out so I was reading whatever the hell I wanted that they would let me borrow and they let me borrow some really nice things. A little so, bit. I love also like we were in Amsterdam a few years ago the city library there was spectacular each level was there was artwork throughout there was music I thought and there was a cafe at the top um, that was just really nicely done and it was an absolute vibrant part of the community which I really like I've participated in um, new library projects um, the city of Melbourne so the library at the dock and the Kathleen Syme library and both of them are stunning. Kathleen Stein Library is probably my favourite library in you know, Melbourne. <laughs> it just has a wonderful, wonderful feel. That said, I love the branch library that I manage now, Muni Ponds um, Library as part of Muni Valley. And it's completely different. It's, I call it a TARDIS because it doesn't look very big from the outside. And you walk in and it's really long. And there's so much. It just keeps on going, it feels like, at first. And, um, and it's really comfortable. And I just, I don't know what it is. I don't think there's a library out there that I would dislike. The only ones would be where they barred me from going into certain places. That would be annoying. Toronto has an amazing library. The Seattle library that I went to was really spectacular. I've been in um, Mexico City Mm -hmm. and desperate for somewhere cool to sit and Wi-Fi and um, discovered this converted church that had become a library and it had the most gorgeous artworks on the walls couldn't speak a word of the same language as the humans in there, but they understood what I was wanting and what I was needing. And I think that's a key thing that libraries around the world do is that they support your, your needs and try to find ways to make you happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have pretty much two questions left. Okay. Both of them are very fun questions. Okay. So it's, it's, it's nowhere near as in-depth. It's not a personal deep dive, <laughs> um, so to speak. So... The first one is, what is it like having a life with cats now? <laughs> also, if anybody follows Justine on Instagram, you will know so what many it's like. cat photos. <laughs> so many. You have no idea how many I don't post. I take I... a lot of cat photos. Mm-hmm. Um, As all good cat owners should. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was thinking the other day, I smile so much more. I know I sm- I'm a smiler. I'm generally a happy, positive human and I smile a lot. But I smile randomly during the day now um, at something my cats have done or at a photo that my partner has sent me with my cats or, um, or just knowing that I'm going home and they're going to be there. And I love it. It's, um, it's, it's more relaxing in some ways and more anxiety producing in others. The kitten, she's eight months old now and she's just grown so much and she can now jump over the fence. So my partner's jury rigged something up to stop her, but we've discovered she can get a bat now. <laughs> um, so we have to take the top off. I've got a, like a little um, raised garden bed that has like a little thing to keep it from 
the frost and all that. Anyway, we have to take that off if they're outside because if that's on, then she will jump up and jump over because there's a tree with birds in it on the other side and that's what she wants is the birds because she's a killer. I love it. But mm. yeah, just... Your small furry assassin. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a book in that. Um, <laughs> or a song. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, small furry assassins would be a great band name mm-hmm. as an aside. Okay. Yeah. Back, back on track. Yeah. I love my cats so much and I think I didn't realize just how much I would just be like oh my god I love these animals but they are amazing and I do what I, they tell me basically yeah. they're in charge Yeah, mm. they own you they own me uh, I think I've also had to learn to deal with a bit more mess than I usually would as a plant mother which my Instagram used to just be plants and baking and books mm-hmm. now cats is pretty much all of it but <laughs> a little bit of baking a little bit of books and a little bit of plants but it's mostly cats but as a plant mama you don't really have to worry too much about mess Cats tend, because we let them in just the back area, um, they do tend to track in a bit more. Or we have the door open, so then come in and out. So there's a bit more like dust or stuff, leaves, whatever. And um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. (laughs) So I have to control my cleaning impulses a bit more. Um, But I'm learning to relax about it as well. And as long as the cats are happy, I'm happy. What is your favourite wine and cheese combination for those playing along at home? Uh, when we go to the pub, Justine normally has a glass of wine and we have eaten almost two large slices of cheese and a good three quarters of a baguette of olive bread. So this is a fairly relevant question to Also, you, you're aware of my cheese parties. Yeah. yeah. I've been to your cheese parties. I know, right? Yeah. I've had three birthdays now where I ask people to bring cheese. The first one was just straight bring cheese. That was mm-hmm. my 31st, I think. And then uh, the next year, I didn't do cheese. I did slices. So your grandmother's kind of slice party, which was fun. And then the following, the, so the third one I did, that would be my 33rd, I did a, um, a cheese party again. But I made it a cheesy t-shirt party and bring cheese so people had to wear a cheesy t-shirt it was kind of more like because it was it's june it was kind of more ugly party rather than cheesy t-shirt but anyway we paid it all it was great fun mm-hmm. um and then i did things on sticks the following year i'm sad i missed out on the things, things on, on sticks, sticks was really fun actually people people did a lot of fun things mm-hmm. um sweet and savory it was delicious it's all been delicious and then last year uh sorry, this year the one june just gone was cheesy onesie birthday bonanza and I made everyone wear onesies and bring cheese and that was pretty bloody spectacular actually everybody pretty much everybody except Hugh <laughs> and me oh mm. well you're not in a onesie no I'm, I'm it's kind of hilarious because I'm pretty easy to get into a onesie at any given time but I I think I just wasn't well yeah was I, I don't really there. remember it was a good night. Like, I remember the night, don't get me wrong, but I don't remember everybody's, what everyone was wearing. Mm-hmm. But I remember but ragging you about it. You well, need, yeah. the, you yes. need to pin down the cheese. No, but my point is, like, why would you? Again, like, why would you just pick one when you can have it all? I love Milk the Cow mm-hmm. for their flights. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly like the sparkling flights. But if I had to pick a type of wine and a type of cheese... I would probably pick uh, at today, and this could change in an hour or you know a minute even. But mm-hmm. today, I would probably pick a really nice dry white wine, like a Grunewaldliner, or um, or a really nice savory Riesling, a bit of minerality to it. And I would have a, like a a Manchego or something something like this. Uh, 
Symphony, Marcel Petit Comte mm, would be quite sense. nice. Um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but we don't have wine. <laughs> Otherwise, I could say whatever I'm drinking right now. But I love um, a nice Merlot with um, a really creamy blue. Mm-hmm. Be quite good. Uh, yeah, but today, right now, I will go, yeah, I'll go a really nice mineral, savory Riesling with, let's say, a Manchego. It's kind of funny. It's gotten warmer, so everybody's like, hmm, a refreshing, refreshing white wine. Yes, yes. yes. Ah, I'll drink whatever you put in front of me. <laughs> no. Um, so thank you very much for coming and having a chat with us, Justine. I know that we're going to see you at Cardi Parties at some point in the very near future, but maybe not this next one. Not sale. I uh, will be going to the Broadside Festival, the Feminist yeah. Festival, but certainly the picnic in December. I'm really excited to go because I never normally go to those, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to that music festival. So I will be at the December Cardi Party picnic. I'm also not going to that particular music festival. So I too will be there. So come, come and see all of the presidents. Oh. Of <laughs> the ex-presidents. <laughs> It's kind of like the band. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Presidents of the NC. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I get to play drums. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Um, I'm the front man. That's fine. I'm a woman. That's that's a front person. Front person. Front yeah. cardigan. Front cardigan! <laughs> Can you imagine what a front cardigan would look like? It would just be like the buttons at the back. It would be like one of those really super weird scenarios. Yes. So, um... <laughs> That was Justine Hanna, uh, former president of New Cardigan. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with New Cardigan, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or at our website, newcardigan.org. Or that would be www.newcardigan.org. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. We've certainly had a lot of fun recording it. <laughs> that we have. Yes. Remember to keep an ear out for more Cardicasts and check out our website for events, merchandise, news and more. And remember, folks, JFDI. JFDI.